Welcome to On The Mic Podcast. This is your host, Tim Drake. On today's episode, I have filmmaker and horror enthusiast Joshua Bragg from the hit YouTube channel and TikTok page, Haunting Season. Uh, this is the first time I got to actually meet and talk with Joshua. We've been friends on social media for the last couple of years here. I first got to know Joshua because he actually made us a really cool video when we were kickstarting Bundy Manor and shared that with all of his followers. People loved seeing this video. Uh, definitely helped us get a lot of eyes on the film while we were trying to raise the money to make the film. Uh, I've wanted to talk to Joshua for quite a while now because I've become such a fan of Haunting Season and of all the videos and things that he makes. So I finally asked him if he would do the show, and I was thrilled when he actually said yes to coming on on the podcast. It was a lot of fun getting to know all about Joshua, where he came from, growing up playing in cemeteries that were in back of the church that his dad uh, was a pastor at, uh, finding out how he became just so in love with the horror genre, um, and, and his love for musical theater. So a lot of fun things to uh, to learn about Joshua and how Haunting Season became such a hit channel. Uh, so again, it was a lot of fun being able to chat with him. I hope you guys really, really love this. If you're not familiar with Haunting Season, which if you're listening to this, I assume a big chunk of you guys are. But if you're not, this is an awesome page to follow, especially if you are a horror fan like I am. So you guys will absolutely love Haunting Season. So make sure you guys check that out. Coming up later this week, July 21st at 1 p.m. in the Neil Morgan Auditorium at San Diego Comic-Con, we will have the live On The Mic podcast. This year, I have a special guest co-host, Alex Watson. You know him from our San Diego Comic-Con episode back in November. He is the writer and director behind Bundy Manor. Uh, Alex and I have worked together uh, for a number of years. Uh, Even before we both lived in Los Angeles together, uh, we worked on projects in Utah. Um, and, you know, it's great that we we're able to join up out here. And we've been working together quite a bit over the last year. Uh, he's also the head of JWAP Productions, uh, who I'm a producer for as well. We've got a bunch of fun projects uh, coming up. Uh, but Alex will be there joining me where we'll talk a little bit of Bundy Manor at the beginning and maybe show you guys a new trailer. So you never know. You guys might want to show up and see if we are showing a new trailer for Bundy Manor. Um, yeah, so we'll have that there. And then our special guest this year is actor Shane Hartling, uh, who was in Obi-Wan Kenobi recently as one of the stormtroopers. So he's on the back of the transport with Obi-Wan and Leia as they're going through uh, after they have escaped. So you will see Shane there. He's also in Station 19 that is on ABC. You'll see him in Jimmy Kimmel quite a bit as well. Uh, so I'm really excited to have Shane on the podcast. I'm sure plenty of you guys follow him, follow him on Instagram and TikTok as well. Uh, So we're very, very excited to have Shane joining us on the podcast this year uh, from San Diego Comic-Con. In a couple days as well, I have a special bonus episode for you guys. Mike and JB from the From North to Wharf podcast, the all-encompassing Lauren Bouchard universe, everything from the Great North to Bob's Burgers. So those two are going to be joining me as well in just a couple days to be talking about all the fun things that they have coming up at Comic-Con. So they're doing a bunch of special events uh, from the From North to Wharf podcast. Uh, So make sure that you guys check that out as well. That episode will be coming out on Thursday, uh, July 21st, right before um, our our live episode. So you guys will be able to listen to that and find out about everything they have coming up Friday and Saturday at Comic-Con. So I'm very excited for that. And it's always great to be able to have two episodes in a week. So uh, stay tuned for that. So, but a big thank you to Joshua Bragg for taking the time to join me. Again, if you guys are not already following Haunting Season, make sure to go to the website, onthemikepodcast.com. We've got all the links up there. So you guys can click on those and be able to follow him. But it's really just Haunting Season at everything, whether you're on Instagram, Twitter, you can look it up on YouTube, TikTok. Just type in Haunting Season, you'll be able to find them. They have tons of videos, tons of followers. 
you guys will know you're in the right place. Trust me. It's a really incredible page. They put out some incredible content. And we talk a lot about being able to go through and create that and all the work and energy it takes to be able to make these things happen. So please give them a follow and check out everything that Haunting Season has. And while you're waiting for that, check out the guys from North to Wharf Podcast. So you can find them on Instagram as well and be prepared for what we're going to be talking about on Thursday. But again, a big thank you to Joshua Bragg for coming on the podcast. It was such a great time getting to know him and learn all about him and how Haunting Season came about. So I appreciate him taking the time. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. Again, stay tuned for a bonus episode later this week with Mike and JB from North to Wharf Podcast. And yeah, we'll see you guys on Thursday again in San Diego at San Diego Comic-Con for the live on the mic podcast with Alex Watson and Shane Hartling as the guest. So stay tuned for that. Otherwise, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. See you in a couple days and see you in San Diego. taking the time to to join me tonight uh you know i i know we kind of we kind of intersected uh, as bundy manor uh started yeah. our kickstarter campaign a year ago so and you made uh, a really cool video for us helping us promote it really helped us you know raise a raise a lot of the funds for that so first off thank you for for being a part of that uh how, do, how did you kind of even find out about bundy manor when when that was kind of coming about alex reached out to me and i was really um it was really early on, like not a lot of people have reached out at that point for any sort of like media packages or anything like that. Um, and so I didn't really know how to approach it. And I run Haunting Season with two of my friends. Um, they they do behind the scenes like producer stuff mm-hmm. and help me make decisions. And um, and so I approached them about it. And I was like, I don't know, it seems like it seems really cool. I think I'm gonna have a phone call with this guy and just hear about the project. And I've kind of based every relationship I make moving forward like off of that first interaction with Alex because it gave me an opportunity to like hop on the phone hear about the project decide if it was something that I would buy into um and I'm really glad I did because Alex is a great friend yeah um we haven't gotten to meet up too often but we message back and forth all the time and um he took me to go see the uh he rented out the Alamo draft house as a thank you oh that's right helped out and showed uh, nightmare on elm street and i'd never seen it on the big screen so uh he's a really cool guy to know yeah i was supposed to be at that screening i remember uh, alex actually said afterwards he's like yeah josh from haunting season was was wondering where you were at and i was like yeah i i, I was i was sitting at home <laughs> there, 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 there was so much going on at that point that i was yeah. supposed to be there and then last minute kind of had to pull the ripcord on it and i was so bummed because yeah i don't think i've ever seen nightmare on on the big screen either and it was it's one of those that it'll, it'll eventually happen again I'll, I'll i'll get the chance yeah. again but it would have been great to have met you met you then and, and been able to be like hey thanks for thanks for talking us up and making us a cool video but yeah here we are now yeah, and, and, and maybe people will get to see some of that video when the movie releases later this year. So well, I'll be making another video for sure. I can't wait to watch this thing. <laughs> it, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's in, it's in like the final stages of post-production right now where we're just, we're waiting on literally just like one last thing. And yeah, that's how it goes. Like it's it's, it's crazy that it's, uh, <laughs> that it's done and we're already moving forward to like next projects. So yeah, it's, it's exciting. But before we really dive into like where haunting season and stuff came came about i'm always intrigued when anybody that's kind of within the horror horror realm i always find like that there's there's some kind of cool backstory of how how we all fell in love with such a dark enjoyable thing so 
I mean, tell me, tell me kind of where you grew up and, and how, how you became so in love with horror. Yeah, well, my mother was a werewolf and my dad was, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in the church. Um, my dad was actually a minister. And so I naturally spent a lot of time like in the graveyard. And I think that and being at like this big old church in Pennsylvania when I was in elementary school and having free reign of it on like Wednesday night during session meetings, we would go in the basement um, and just explore in total darkness. And I really liked that feeling of fear. I didn't know what it was or why I liked it, yeah. but um, it was a lot of like, I don't know, joy in the feeling of being scared, but also being in a safe environment. Like I knew inside the church, there was a less likely chance of anybody getting me or anything <laughs> getting me, you know? And I think that's really why I love horror movies too and why I really connected with them. I, I never really quite remember what the very first experience like that was. Um, I know that I found scenes from E.T. like almost unbearably scary when I was a little kid. <laughs> um, but I do remember seeing The Ring in the movie theater when it came out. And I remember seeing signs after that. And that's really what kicked off this like fascination with horror. And after that, I just ate everything, anything I could get my hands on, any new movie that came out. And, um, and it all kind of went back to that feeling of being afraid, but being safe. Yeah. So I, I totally get that. And it always makes me laugh when I hear somebody mention E.T. Because Alex has always told me that, too, that E.T. was one that just terrified. I was like, maybe I was just a really messed up kid because I <laughs> loved E.T. Like, there, there was nothing about that that was scary. I was like, I want to eat Reese's Pieces with E.T. Like, I want to ride my bike with E.T. I was the same way. I watched that movie a hundred thousand times growing up, but it was always the opening sequence where he throws the baseball at the shed and it comes oh, rolling, it goes back, rolling back and then it runs away into the cornfield. Like ah! <laughs> that scene was so scary for me. And I remember um, my dad had like a bitch in stereo growing up and he had speakers upstairs and downstairs and the TV was downstairs. And so I would strategically go to the kitchen to go like get a refill of popcorn or something. Mm -hmm during that scene and one time the speakers were on upstairs too and so it was just like alone in the kitchen just like no no <laughs> yeah that that i can that that i can imagine would uh would be a little traumatic at that point yeah so and uh, I, I mean I, I i've always loved the idea though that you know i i it seems to be kind of a trend that people that grew up in a very religious uh setting tend to kind of gravitate towards horror and I think that's so interesting because it's such a weird juxtaposition for those of us that it's like, yeah, we, we had a religious upbringing and then we see just the complete opposite of that, almost the antithesis of, <laughs> of religion. And we just gravitate towards that. But growing up in Pennsylvania, I mean, those cemeteries are, are no joke. I mean, like I grew up in Utah and they're like squeaky clean, nice cemeteries. The oldest one there, like, <laughs> still is not like anything super crazy gothic whereas those cemeteries back east like they're a sight to behold yeah so, i mean what was there was there anything within the cemetery there that that really just kind of drew you to the cemetery i don't know i think it was the vastness this was a really big church where i you know started my first memories and the i don't know it had like this giant christian ed building it had this giant basement 
when we did vacation Bible school, they would like build out entire wings of like classrooms into like biblical settings. It was like very oh, wow. theatrical. Um, and like, uh, you know, Mr. Calhoun always dressed as the Roman soldier <laughs> and he would throw you in the dungeon and chain you to the wall, um, which, you know, you can't get away with nowadays, but it was good fun. Um, and so <laughs> the sprawling size of this church, it had an equally large graveyard, you know, because I guess the more people you have in your church, the more people die on a daily basis right um and and it was on a hill so there was like there was the top of the graveyard and there was the bottom of the graveyard and there was like the hill in between and i don't know i just remember playing um my dad would he always ran the youth group and we'd play like capture the flag out there or like sardines or something and just like constantly running through there was nothing spooky about it there was nothing scary about it at the time it just was like yeah we're playing in the graveyard you like almost didn't even think about (laughs) dead bodies you know it was just like it was just like cool stones yeah, that's that's fun because so many kids are just are just terrified of the fact of thinking that there's dead bodies underneath them when they're in a graveyard. And yeah, you guys are you guys are playing night games out there and yeah, and when just I was having in, fun with it. When I was in junior high school and we had moved to New Jersey, we were playing capture the flag in the in the graveyard at night. And um, the police rolled in to check on what all the, the whole blue was <laughs> and pulled a light on my dad who was laying in a shallow grave with leaves pulled on top of him. <laughs> it was a very, uh, uh, well, pun intended, I guess, unorth- unorthodox uh, <laughs> Christian raising. But I do think part of the reason why so many people raised in the church and raised religiously um, kind of tend to gravitate towards these things, because we're taught at an early age that there's like a Holy Spirit, that there's um, like a person rising from the dead, you know, like that, yeah. that stuff's in your head as like a baby, you know? So like, you can't help but get curious, like how far does this go? Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, I always thought, you know, when they would talk about, yeah, people rising from the dead. Yeah. I mean, it was just Dawn of the dead to me. So <laughs> it, it was never anything where people would get, get weepy and emotional about it. I was just like, no, let's talk some zombies. Like this. You're is... like, where's the gore? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Negan comes in here somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah, Negan, Negan book one. <laughs> yeah. So when, when you started kind of going down the horror path with having such a religious upbringing, was your family at all concerned about, about looking at something that was so opposite of what most religious upbringing wants their kids to follow? My mom. My dad doesn't care. My dad's like, yeah, it's all cool. Like, I remember my dad telling me about uh, seeing Alien in the movie theater. And uh, he was telling me about that just after he'd seen The Sixth Sense because he said it was the most scared he's ever been since he saw Alien. And I was still really young at that point um, because I think that came out in like 90, mid 90s. Um, Mm -hmm. And I remember, so I was like 10 or 11. And I remember just being like, tell me more, tell me more, you know? And he was like, tell me a little bit about like the girl under the bed or like, you know, but obviously like really protective of me. And so I got that idea in my head of like, when I'm, when I'm strong enough, when I'm big enough, I'm going to watch this movie. Um, And then my mom, uh, she definitely does not get it. She thinks it's fine. You know, she knows that like when my dad and her would go out, my brother and I would be watching horror movies. She doesn't know what horror movies, but like, you know, my brother, I'd be like introducing my brother who's four years younger than me to the ring. And he like didn't sleep for like two weeks after that. She's like, what did you do? And I'm like, oh, we're watching horror movies. It's not a big idea, you know? 
yeah so she she's not super into the idea but she supports it she watches my tiktok <laughs> so that, that, that's all you can really ask is that the parents the parents support it i, I was shocked when my shocked when my parents donated towards the bundy manor kickstarter like Ooh. i did not expect that in a million years and then when they did i was like oh okay but i mean my my parents have always had a good relationship with horror i always laugh at the fact when people have asked me like how did you get involved like in horror i say well i'm, I'm kind of was born into it because when my mom was in labor with me, she was watching Carrie in the hospital. Yeah. And I was just like, <laughs> it, it makes perfect sense. But yeah. then it almost went the opposite way where when I was before any of my siblings came along, like I, I was the kid in the house and my parents wanted to watch any of those movies. So I was just kind of there and I wouldn't yeah. go to bed. And it's like they, they didn't become scary to me. It was just fascination. And then as I, as my siblings came along, then my parents got a lot more strict about that and went completely opposite of like, why would you, why would you like that? I'm like, cause you showed it to me. Like, yeah, yeah. I was the, I was the weird 10 year old that had an alien obsession and loved the exorcist. Like <laughs> it, 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 it was perfectly normal. So, so as, as you started growing into it, do you remember the first one though, that really, I know you kind of mentioned signs and some of those, but do you remember the first one that really was like, yeah, this is where, this is the direction I'm, I'm going now. Yeah. I, the, the ring is what started it. And that's like my comfort movie. Like if I'm sick, it sounds so <laughs> weird. People think it's weird. Um, but that's usually people who haven't seen the movie because the movie's actually pretty mild. It's yeah. like a, a ghost story, but mostly like, like 90 minutes of investigation and like six minutes on either end of like straight horror. Yeah. You know? Um, and then just lots of, lots of like spooky stuff. So that's kind of always been my genre is like ghost stuff. I've always mm -hmm. been super fascinated with that, mainly because you spend so much time like falling in love with the ghost and realizing that like people suck, but ghosts don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think really, I mean, and this is a lot of people's answer, but the thing that kicked it into high gear was when I saw the thing. Oh that, yeah, that was just I didn't know things like that could exist. Um, I still, you know, I've seen that a handful of times. I've seen it in the theater. I've seen it on VHS on a tiny, you know, little square screen. I've seen it on DVD on a big TV. Um, every time I watch it, I'm surprised by the by by the just the complexity of like the various different forms of the thing. I love that. And so anytime I can find cosmic horror, because my dad's true love is sci-fi. And so there's like a horror sci-fi merging um, that's very Lovecraftian and that has that kind of like blubbery flesh monster. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of stuff that if I can find that, it's like the good stuff. Yeah. And, and I, the thing I love about those two is that they were so set on practical effects where so much, so much current stuff is so c computer done. There's so much CGI and those practical effects are things like the thing just are were mind-blowing i mean it terrified people during that time because they had never seen anything like that and then those of us within that millennial age bracket like we see that coming about and it was it was just so cool to just be like yeah i've never seen anything like this like yeah. I, I always think we were very fortunate for kind of our age group to be able to live through that to now get where we're at today yeah, yeah, I'm very grateful for it. And there seems to be a resurgence of practical effects like that mm -hmm. in movies like um, Color Out of Space and uh, The Void. Um, and, and it's really exciting. Uh, uh, Psycho Gorman even, you know, even though that's kind of like on the 
realm of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and like Power Rangers, um, you know, but also meets like Hellraiser. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, but, you know, like there's, there's so much more room now for practical effects. And, and I think it's because we've like matured through CGI now and like, and now it's become a vernacular and it's like everywhere. So it's like, okay, what can we do to mix it back up? Well, what else, you know, there's either fake or there's real, so you got to pick between the two. And so I think more people are going towards the practical effects. Yeah. I, I know when we were making Bundy Manor, like going through certain websites of having to figure out like how much blood can we get? <laughs> and then, and then like, as our, as our uh, visual effects person came to set really going through like, so this is how we're going to make things bleed. This is how we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And it was always so much fun when I would get any of those dailies and be able to be like, Oh, wow that's that's how that came about like when they when they went back to film the torture scenes for the movie that you see a little bit of in the trailer mm-hmm. the uh when alex sent me the uh some of the stills from that because i didn't go back with them uh, for the for that weekend i was just blown away at what they were able to pull off with practical effects yeah and so like it, it makes me happy to see like not just those of us on low budget side that that's all our that's our only option we can't afford all this fancy cgi (laughs) but to see these higher budget things now gravitating back to that it it gives me a lot of hope for what's to come within the horror genre yeah that's really exciting i um i got my well it wasn't my senior thesis but my friend in college his senior thesis was a zombie film and i was the assistant director um and i got to see how they chop they chop someone's head in half at the mouth um, they, uh, they, they would have fire extinguishers filled with blood that they could like shoot out of somebody's neck hole and stuff. <laughs> it was so much fun. I got to play a zombie, um, who got shot through the eye socket and my eye came out in like a cameo oh, at the awesome. end. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, I love anything like that. And I always am so fascinated <laughs> with how anybody manages to, to pull those off. So now as you went on to college, uh, where, where did you end up going to college at? I stayed in New Jersey. It was about 20 minutes from my parents' house. It was a fairly Dickinson University. Okay. So now we're, we're people there because you start getting, you get to college and you're kind of reinventing yourself a little after everything you've been through in high school. How, how was it received? Were you able to quickly find kind of your niche group that loved horror or were you kind of the, the social pariah for a little bit? <laughs> I think I think horror was kind of like a hidden thing. I don't remember bonding with anyone in college over horror movies. I was a theater kid. I went to school for th- musical theater. That okay. was my main focus. And um, I thought that was the be all end all of everything. Um, <laughs> because I was like basically failing out of high school when I found theater. And I, my, my grades didn't improve all that much until like my senior year. But, you know, it kind of got worse once I did discovered theater but it gave me a purpose right um and so i i was not a great student i had trouble learning i now know about myself i learned um probably about a year ago that i have aphantasia and i can't create oh. uh visuals in my mind and that was really eye-opening to why i like struggled so much in school but i could live in the moment on stage as an actor i could live i could live in the present i could not imagine the the future the past the the notes that I took or you know um so I found all that really challenging until I found theater and I could just be somebody else and so I did that for all of high school all of college and it was really my senior year of college when I started getting in with the film kids and and the weird thing about that is that like middle school is when I picked up a camera and taught myself final cut express 
And so I had always been filming. I just didn't know that there was any sort of career path. I always looked at film kids as like, well, you've got a really big dream, you know, and I'm the musical theater kid. Right. So (laughs) super judgy in a really bizarre way. But I always looked at film students of like, okay, I guess you're going to like be in Hollywood or something. How does that work? All right. I'm going to be on Broadway. So, you know, and (laughs) I think once you get through college and you have that like big breakup with your girlfriend and you lose a bunch of your friends and you go back home because you don't have a job, you know, the reality of life sort of sets in and you're like, oh, that was all like fun and learning but now I've got a problem shoot like bills and taxes and like all this right. stuff they didn't <laughs> actually tell me about. Yeah. It's all, it's all fun and games until life sets in. Yeah. <laughs> and well, and I remember like the, the weird thing too, is like, it, it's really surprising that I didn't bond with people over horror because I was still actively seeking it out because I remember my freshman year of college, I wasn't ready to go home on Thanksgiving. So I told my parents that I had to like stay at the dorms. And I was like one of the very few people still on campus. And I just ordered Domino's and watched through a bunch of like burned movies that my roommate had left behind. And I saw Cube, Cube 2, Hypercube, The Crow, Saw, um, like a bunch of movies like that that blew my mind wide open. Like I didn't know. I didn't know Saul was going to be the movie that it was. And then once I saw it, I was like, there's got to be more like this. (laughs) And they were like, sit back. We've got a million of them. Yeah. Cause I knew (laughs) ghosts and exorcisms and that was about it. And I'm like, this is horror. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Whoa, torture. Whoa. Puzzles. (laughs) How, How excited were you though, for your roommate then to come back and be like, we got to talk about your, we got to talk about your movies. I don't think I talked to him about it. <laughs> I think it was just like my my secret. Like it almost felt like um like I I don't know, maybe I was afraid to be like ostracized for liking this stuff, you yeah. know? Like maybe I was afraid to share it with people because everybody was so like bubbly and light and telling jokes and I didn't want to be like, you know, when the guy cuts his leg off, you know. <laughs> like <laughs> I didn't know how to broach the subject. It wasn't until it wasn't until 2013 I graduated college in 2008 um and I had that zombie film experience which got me into roller derby and that was like a group of people that understood Mm -hmm. you know and so like we could talk about anything um but I think we mostly talked about like roller derby and then like maybe a little bit of film but it was like 2013 when I started my haunting season channel that I I really like acknowledged that it was such a deep part of me yeah. that it was like literally pouring out of my seams and I couldn't do anything but write scary movies it was the only thing I was interested in. Yeah. I, and I, I love too, though, that you came from with all of that and like finding, you know, what was truly your passion that you still had musical theater here too. So, I mean, is that still a passion as well of going to see musical theater and that all, and then having horror kind of on, on the other side of it. Yeah. When I get an opportunity, um, I haven't, I, when I lived in New York, I went to uh, a lot more theater, but I think I had a girlfriend in college who, um, (laughs) she was very eccentric and she got me to pay for a Broadway show a month for like our entire relationship. And we sat like third row. Um, and it was like one of my early, you know, serious relationships. So it was like, oh yes, let me buy your love. Let me like keep you around somehow. Yeah. Um, so I spent a lot, a lot of money going to see tons and tons of shows in like end of high school, beginning of college. And so I think 
after that, I was kind of a little bit burnt out and didn't go for a long time. And I'm kind of rediscovering that about myself now. My wife and I just saw Hades Town on the national tour that came through. Oh, LA, yeah, it was down it was at like, the Amazon. Oh, so good. It was so good. And they're like, there's a part of me that kind of rages against it a little bit because I'm like, oh, I don't do that anymore. Like I feel maybe a little burned by it because yeah. uh, at the end of my college career, my uh, teachers said to me like, uh, you have what it takes. You would just need to lose a bunch of weight and keep it off. And I was like, this is bullshit. Like I love to eat, you know, <laughs> I don't want to suffer for my art. That's bullshit. Yeah, that, that, that's no fun. You're like, I want the gordita, but I also want to I mean, if if you were if you're gonna play, what what is it, uh, Tavia in in uh, in Fiddler? Sure. Like, he he he's a he's he's a heftier guy, so yeah. I mean, you you can still be in musical theater and and, and have and have some weight. Yeah, so, TikTok's my theater now. Yeah, exactly. you know, I got a bunch of people watching me talk on there. It's plenty fun. <laughs> yeah, I I I do love though too because a lot of people I know that that love horror are the same people I run into at the Pantages or at the Amazon. Mm. And it's like, great, we're going to go see Kinky Boots tonight and uh, and then House of a Thousand Corpses tomorrow. So <laughs> yeah, it, it's always a fun way to uh, to make sure it's all balanced out. So now when you started Haunting Season, how did how did that come about? How did the idea uh, first come to you to do, to do Haunting Season? It was a collaboration with my friend Matt. Um, Matt is a like back-end YouTube guy. Uh, he started well before I met him in 2013 and we were working at the same company together and he was early days strategizing about how to beat the algorithm and how to like really how to use YouTube in the most professional way and now he is um he does this for a living he has major brands like Discovery Channel as his clients and he tours and goes to conferences and speaks about the the back end of YouTube and how to use YouTube and so he stayed up with that but in 2013 we were like creating content for this small company and kind of looking at what holes there were in YouTube and creepypasta was just becoming a thing but there was really no horror content on YouTube at that time nothing big nothing really meaningful like people were experimenting with a little bit and so he was like, well, you know, what if we came up with a horror channel? And I was like, oh, you know, I had a couple of these like experiences in high school where um, we had what I think is a paranormal experience. I could like talk about those. And he was like, sure. And so I did my first one, which was like my most impactful experience of my youth. And, um, and that video got like 27,000 views overnight. And some of that was his magic, but a lot of it was kind of organic. Like people liked it, you know, yeah. and it was very apparent in the comments. And so we were like, okay, let's do another one. I was like, all right, great. I've got another story. Told my second story. It did really well. Told my third story. It went really well. I was out of stories, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, and he was like, you know, you, you've got to be posting once a week. And so from that point on, for two straight years, I wrote a story on like Saturday, Sunday, Monday, would film it on Tuesday or Wednesday, would edit it Wednesday, Thursday, and upload it Friday afternoon and start over. And I was waking up at 5 a.m., writing until 9 a.m., going into work, working a full day, coming back and doing the, the video side. And um, yeah, I got super burnt out, as you can imagine, because- yeah basically it was a partnership between the two of us. And so he was doing the distribution and I was doing the content creation, the, you know, the, the, the lighting, the editing, the everything. Um, and it was 
some of the best times of my entire life, but you're not in your twenties forever. And that sort of energy doesn't stick with you forever. Um, and so I ended up taking a seven year hiatus with no warning. I just ghosted the whole internet and disappeared. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, yeah. Yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> but during that time I was getting a divorce. I was flying across the country and starting a company out here in LA with a bunch of friends and, uh, freelancing in New York before that for a couple of years. And like just building, uh, like an actual life outside of the internet. Yeah which I wasn't able to do while I was like creating content 24 hours a day, seven <laughs> days a week. So, so what was it then after you take the seven year hiatus, what was it that finally made you decide to go back to doing? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I meet my soulmate, the person I should have married and now did marry. Um, we moved to LA to help start this company and uh, we are working really hard in the bleeding disorders community specifically to tell stories of people with rare disorders. Um, and then we get to a moment of stability where we're like, okay, the company is growing. We're really good at what we're doing. The clients keep coming back. We're all artists who met in New York who wanted to be filmmakers. How do we get our foot back in the door of entertainment? And so we had a series of meetings where we pitched all of our ideas. And the one that I kept coming back to because my heart was so still attached to it was haunting season. And I went back on YouTube and there were still 16,000 people following it. And there were all of these messages like, where did you go? I hope you're okay. You know, all this stuff. And, and I was like, I, I pitched it as a like, hey, what if we brought it back? We still put it back on YouTube, but it's a podcast. And we would do it once a week, of course, because I didn't learn my lesson. And we would do... Um, <laughs> Like, uh, you know, a talk show, talk show, talk show story on the fourth week. So I'm only having to write a story once a month. And so we did that and we did it for a year um, in like, I can't remember if it was 2018 into 2019, but it was like the year leading up to the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And then the pandemic sort of shifted things and it became, we realized that like the story episodes were the ones that were doing well. So for a while we shifted to just doing a story um every other week. And then um, we just felt like it had been a really good experiment and TikTok happened. And then um, I got on there and kind of blew up in a way that I never expected. I mean, the, the podcast was getting a couple hundred, maybe like 800 listens um, in a month or something like that. The YouTube got up to 27,000 followers, but it was still only getting like four or 500 views per video. And TikTok was like, you could hit a million in, in just a one minute video. And I was growing at such an incredible rate that um, it just was like, okay, let's, let's put our energy into, we had a great experiment. Let's put our energy into TikTok for now and figure out what the next like version of haunting season is like the big step. And so that's kind of where we are now. So, and I mean, on, on TikTok, you guys have a couple hundred thousand followers and then still thousands of followers on YouTube. Uh, do, do you guys find it hard to, uh, you know, be able to interact with them when you have so many people, you know, following, or do you guys enjoy trying to interact with a lot of, a lot of the audience? So I do, I do all of the, I still do all of the writing, the performing, the, um, I get help with editing sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, if the, the, like the workload of, of our in-house editors is really light <laughs> and be like, Hey, here's a batch of 18 that I just shot. <laughs> um, but I, I also do a lot of the editing still, and I do all the posting and all of the commenting myself. 
And so kind of the rule that I had to make with myself while I was trying to find balance in all of this is that I'm going to respond to comments in the first 24 hours that a video is out, but the next the next video that I post is now the video I pay attention to. Mm -hmm. And so I might get someone who um, like tags me in a comment and that'll grab my attention. I'll go back and look at it. But for the most part, the past is in the past. The present is now, which, you know, fits with my aphantasia. So, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, kind of, kind of even going back to your aphantasia, I think that that says a lot too of why you could gravitate to horror and playing in graveyards and all that so much too, because yeah, you are always just in the present. And mm -hmm. so having to think about that terror or whatnot, it's it's not it's not sinking in. You're able to just be in the moment. And I I, I think it's something I'm almost envious of <laughs> that you're able to just be in the moment where it's something I know I I drastically can suffer with uh, when it when it comes to those kind of things. So so with the channel as it's evolved so much, you know, just since the pandemic, you know, what do you guys kind of strive for? You know when you're trying to come up and generate new content, what is the, what is the thing that fuels you the most uh, when coming up with any new content? Joy. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, it's gotta, it's all gotta come from a place of joy for me. I am a, I'm a bubbly person outwardly. Um, I have a tendency to spiral inwardly. And so if I'm not feeling joy about the thing I'm doing, I'm probably going into some form of internal panic attack about <laughs> what's wrong. Why isn't this working? And, you know, like that's part of the challenge of being on TikTok too, is like uh, you, you get these peaks and valleys. And so you have a couple of weeks where you're getting like 50,000 people, 20,000 people like per video. And then you go through, you know, a week, a couple of weeks later where it's like, 2000 videos uh, or 2000 views or, or whatever. And it's really low. And you're like, what am I doing wrong? And you start to like kind of spiral about it. Yeah, that's, that's my weak point. Um, so I have to always come back to the joy. And that's really what drives all my content. Like, I don't know jack shit about horror. I've watched so many movies. I've, <laughs> I've, <laughs> I couldn't tell you who any of the actors are, where any of it was filmed, who the directors are. Like, I can't retain any of that information. I could just tell you, like, I had a really good time. And these are the reasons why I had a really good time. And then if I don't watch it again in the next year, I'm not going to be able to regurgitate any of that. <laughs> how, how, do, how does that going to play off? Because I know you get to go to some of the bigger premieres uh, now and then for some of these upcoming horror films. How does how does that play off when you're, you know, on a black carpet or something and you've got, say, one of the stars right next to you? Is is there do you have a moment of ever getting starstruck with that or is it just kind of like, oh, you're that one guy from that one thing? Like, I, <laughs> I don't recognize anybody. Um, <laughs> what's up? OK, go ahead. Um, I don't recognize, sorry, my dogs are coming through. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> um, I don't recognize anybody ever. Like I have a really hard time with that too. And so I bring my wife with me and she will kind of be like, oh, this person's from the movie. And this person over here is this TikToker. And then other than that, I just, I'm, I'm like hoping someone comes up to me or, um, you know, helps, helps me figure out who they are. Yeah. I, I really need to get better at that, but I don't know how, um, if I have an actual interaction like this with people, then it's easier for me to, um, to, to connect and remember that person. Like I'll, I'll always remember Alex. I'll be able to pick him out of a crowd, you know, yeah. a million times at a, at a, or yeah, a million times out of a million, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what phrase I was going for, but, um, 
but like, cause I've met him, I've interacted with him. I've had conversations with him and that's how it kind of sticks. But I had this big fear going to the black phone premiere because that was my first red carpet or black carpet premiere. And I had this fear that I was, and I was having dreams about this too, because I have really vivid dreams that I was going to be on the red carpet next to him. And he, I was going to be like, oh, Ethan Hawke, I, I loved your movies. And he'd be like, oh, thanks, man. Like, uh, which one? You know, and I'd be like, uh, uh, I don't, all of them. I don't know, you know, because I can't like ever recall that stuff. Right. I mean, I, I've been in those moments where, you know, I, I pay somebody a compliment like that at a premiere or something. And even though I do recall all of that, when you're put in the moment, you're put on the spot, it, you go, you draw a blank anyway. And, yeah. and so I've had to sit there and kind of, and kind of stumble around. And then afterwards, I was like, Oh, I feel, I feel like such an idiot right now. I have the hard time on lives too, because like, I love interacting with my audience and, and getting the chance to answer questions and stuff. Yeah. And someone will be like, um, you know, what's a great movie that, yeah, someone like yesterday was like, what's a great movie that uh, has a puppet in it? And I was just like, uh, <laughs> I know puppets. There's a, I think I ended up saying pumpkin head and they're like, that's a unique answer. Um, but you know, it's like kind of like a big marionette. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, de he definitely is. I mean, I, I don't even know how, I think I would have just gone with the easiest thing of jigsaw. Oh my God. So, see, that's so obvious. Yeah, but that's just it. It's so obvious that if if I would have said that, I mean, anybody in that audience would have been like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, you're you know, it's the... actually Billy. Uh, I, think they, <laughs> I think his name is actually yeah. Billy or something like that. But yeah, yeah. I would, I would have either gotten called out on that or the fact that it's like the most cliche answer I possibly could give. <laughs> so no, you, you gave a perp perfectly fine answer for the fact that, yeah, you had to like jog your memory there. Because, yeah, that's not something I would have even been able to come up with something more in depth than jigsaw. Mm, <laughs> <Jigsaw. laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to be in the spotlight. It's hard to, like, try and retain a lot of, you know, information. I, I tell everybody who invites me on a podcast, I'm like, just so you know, because people often say to me, like, oh, you're the horror guy or like, you're the horror buff. Like, we're yeah. so excited. And I'm just like, you just have to know that, like, I don't know anything about anything. I'm just <laughs> excited about it. <laughs> and, and sometimes that's all that matters. I mean, I, I love nothing more than like working on a major studio lot and you encounter, you encounter fans that are just so enthralled with just everything. So as you're walking through parts and they see something like, you know, the Gilmore girls gazebo and people start weeping. And it's like, I mean, I don't get that. But then again, I, I've walked past the new line building and I've seen Pennywise inside and part of me wants to weep at that. So yeah, <laughs> it's like, I love people finding the excitement, no matter what it is, no matter how ridiculous somebody might find, you know, somebody certain fandom, it doesn't matter how in depth you are with it. It's that joy that it brings you or to anybody. And I think that's the best thing about, about fandom. So, and it's the yeah. saddest thing when it becomes toxic too. I know, I know. I have so many people who say, you know, I'll, I'll be talking about a film that I just absolutely love. And people will say, oh yeah, but the ending ruined it for me. And I can't wrap my mind around that because you've got 99% of the movie and then you've got that few, you know, minute and a half at the end. Yeah. Who cares? Like you've got 99% of it that you were having a blast. Like, yeah, of course they ended it in a way you didn't predict. It's like, not your brain that wrote it right you know <laughs> like, 
I, I've the first time I really experienced that in a heavy way was the end of Breaking Bad. And when I like that show was everything to me. Mm-hmm. And when it ended, I was like, all right. And all of my friends were like, I want to talk to you about the ending of Breaking Bad. Like they should have done this and they should have done that. And I'm like, well, yeah, but they didn't though, you know, but that's okay because yeah. you enjoyed five long seasons of this perfect show and they had to end it and you weren't in the writer's room. So <laughs> tough. Yeah. You know, that's it. I, I, I had seen a post on Twitter just the other day of somebody within some of those toxic fandoms where people just love to shit on Ryan Johnson because of, of his star Wars film. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they were looking at breaking bad and they were like, wait, he directed the fly episode. He, he directed Ozymandias. Like maybe he's, maybe he's not like a bad director. Like we said, he wasn't it's like, no, he's a great director. Like <laughs> there's yeah, he a reason made a franchise movie for one of the biggest companies in our con- in our, in our world. Yeah. And, and, everything that happened after those first three movies is fan fiction exactly it's just people being like i want to take another stab at this i would like a try at this you know what i grew up loving star wars i deserve to make a star wars sure i'll watch it because i love star wars exactly. but i'm not going in and expecting episodes four five and six yeah and, and that's just it everybody sets up these expectations of like this is what it's going to be and then they're all let down i mean even with like some of the newer halloween films People are just like, oh, it's not the original. And it's like, it shouldn't be the original. Like, no, we no. already got that. Yeah, we already got that. <laughs> and it's not where changing. It's at, no one's yeah. taking it away. No, and, and where <laughs> it's at now, like, just go in, have fun, watch Michael, watch Michael Chaser. Like, that's that's yeah. all we want. So that, that's we, we want to see the thing that brought us there in the first place. Yeah. So to expect anything more than that, always, whenever people get mad at even like the Jurassic World movies, I'm like, did you expect the dinosaurs to do something else this time? <laughs> like they're, they're, they're dinosaurs with stupid humans. Like it's going to be the same thing. Yeah. Like, just, yeah. Just shut your brain off and, and enjoy. That's the thing. I, anyone who starts being a gatekeeper on haunting season or starts to be like that movie's dog shit, blah, blah, blah. Every single time my, my reaction is just like, just find something you love like go find something you love stop finding things that make you angry you're actively seeking out the feeling of anger yeah and that doesn't help any of us especially right now so like go find the thing you love you know yeah when, I, when, when I people first... are oh no go ahead what were you saying well your hellfire shirt uh reminded me of <laughs> yeah. um uh, stranger things and like people are beating up on will for like not being out of the closet you know, and like the the choice, the, they're calling it like uh, uh, gay baiting or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we do have an open out character, Robin. Like we're telling multiple versions of of this story. Yeah, and I think I I don't know. I just like maybe he hasn't. Maybe his character hasn't made up his mind, or maybe his character hasn't had a fucking second to figure it out. Yeah, like what he's feeling. Yeah, and that's that's okay storytelling. You know, it's okay for a character to be confused and for it not to just have a very clear black or white label on it. Yeah. And, and we would have lost that powerful moment in this newest season between him talking to Mike and then watching his brother kind of accept and watch what's happening unfold in the back seat. It was such a powerful moment that if they would have just been so overt to just be like, yes, this is what it is. 
everyone would have called them out for doing that <laughs> instead of giving well, the thing is Will a journey. The first season, they're dropping these hints the entire way. There's an entire yeah. breadcrumb trail back to episode one that they're, they're going on this journey with this kid. And it doesn't even matter if in the final season, he comes out and says, I'm a homosexual. Like that literally means nothing to the story unless it changes something in his character's path. Yeah. You know, like for Robin, it's changing things. It's like really causing, you know, a, a lot of connections with her and Steve and like, you know, the, the girl in the band and, and all that stuff. So there's like a driving purpose for it. But with Will, that driving purpose either has to happen in the new season or it doesn't have to happen. And we're, we'll be perfectly fine because it's like a damn near perfect show. Yeah. I, I remember sitting in the Comic-Con panel uh, several years ago and it was it was for Bob's Burgers of all shows <laughs> and somebody got up and asked a question like when they were going to have like Gene come out or was Gene gay and I think it was Lauren Bouchard that was just like how about he's just like an eight-year-old kid and we just let him be an eight-year-old kid like yeah. we don't we don't need to to do that like if that's who he is that's who he is and it's like bob's burgers is probably one of the most lgbtq friendly shows there could possibly be that people are like no they all need to identify their their you know sexual orientation immediately and it's like or just let them find that enjoy. natural trans transition and have joy like that's all that have joy you love gene so yeah. what, are you gonna love him more if he has a label on his forehead like just love gene yeah just love and and yeah it's, it's so funny to me yeah to see people just get so upset about any of that and even when i had first started this podcast like a lot of people were like you know you do a lot of film stuff like you should definitely like do like reviews and things like that and i kind of started kind of teetering down that path like we always do an oscar show uh, where we make our picks and whatnot and i finally even took that away because i was like the negativity of like oh why was this film nominated and I finally looked at it and said, you know, ever, so many of those people that are doing that, that are critiquing the way any horror film is made, or if they hate horror because it's too campy, or any type of genre, my whole thing is, then you make one. Yeah. Like, you, you try to make one, see how goddamn hard that is to see it from start to finish, let alone to write it, to get it produced, to cast people, to pay people, like, to do all of that. It, it's near impossible to pull off <laughs> or even take all of that off the table and just make a a, a high quality tiktok yeah a one minute tiktok where you speak your real truth and put it out in front of millions of people you edit the thing you light the thing you shoot it you know and like put your heart and soul into it and put it out into the internet you know not yeah. just like don't just lip sync don't just, you know, like put a filter on your forehead, like really put your opinion out there. It takes a lot. It takes yeah. a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of emotional stress, but uh, you know, it's fun as hell. Yeah. And, and yeah, to, to do something as simple as, and I shouldn't say simple, like it's easy, but just well, strip down. Film, yeah. It's not a feature <laughs> film, but yeah, just to be able to make a well-produced one minute video is still so insanely hard that most people cannot do, but they're going to sit there and slam on how $20 million was spent <laughs> to, to, right, make, right. to make a film. And that's where it became so much to me where I had to recognize, you know, you got, you got to find the joy in it. You, you have to be able to just laugh and not take it so serious overall. It's, 
it's make believe that we're playing with. Yeah. I mean, even Straw Hat Goofy, uh, who's got over a million followers and does a lot of Disney Marvel stuff, but mm. just loves movies. I think he got a little bit pigeonholed into the like the Marvel stuff because that's kind of how this app works. <laughs> but he had a video the other day that was like uh, responding to a comment that was like, oh, yeah, you know, I got to stop listening to people who get paid by Marvel to review their movies. And he goes, oh, yeah. I walk the paycheck over to my house because take a look at this and he flips the camera around it's his dining room table and he flips the camera this way and it's his front door and he's like I've been sitting in a corner for two years you know like <laughs> he's he's filming on his phone he has an opinion and he's really dynamic on screen but he's filming on his phone with a ring light in a corner in his like one bedroom house you know yeah. like it's not it's it's not all what it seems. I yeah. write all of my TikToks. I edit the uh, the the written word. I practice it. I put it on a teleprompter in front of a camera. I run audio separate from my camera. I sync it in post. I do I do two or three takes. I sync it in post. I cut out every single breath that I take to make it all just <laughs> flow. And then I cover up as much of myself as possible with B-roll posters, anything. And then I have the upload process and I'll, you know, I got to add all the hashtags. I've got to make sure that it's able to be stitched and all that stuff. I got to tag people in it. Sometimes I have to create the thumbnail for it. That is hours of work yeah. per video. It's a lot of work. Yeah. And it, I, I've joked about this with others because I mean, it, it puts me to absolute shame where for a couple of years with the podcast in October and, and people that regularly listen know what I've done, like it, prior to the pandemic where every day for the month of October, I'd go to a different haunted location and then film a one minute video, which once we got reels, I would have it like a couple, couple minutes and just give like a history of like, this is what this place is. These are the stories Whoa. that make it haunted, but it was always just me, just like a selfie in front of it. But still it was 30 of those a month or 31 so yeah. one every single day, which were hell, but I loved it so much. But yeah. I always was like, oh, I just want to produce this so much more and like show like some interlaid photos and stuff. But it was just so time consuming it's so that it's like work. I see I see things that you do and that others do as well, where I'm just like, man, the dedication to putting that in. Like it was time consuming, time consuming enough for me to make a selfie video <laughs> to quickly yeah. edit on my phone an iMovie and throw it up and you guys are just producing the shit out of these incredible videos and it it pays off in such an incredible way and it's why you guys have such a big sometimes sometimes it pays off in an incredible way i mean like i have i've been doing these mental health monday videos i've only done two so far i missed today because i didn't have enough time to cut my video but i'm excited about it so i want to like spend the time on it but i will because it's not a horror movie review that has like the green sticker on it and isn't like my branded you know mm -hmm. the exact content that people signed up for instead of getting you know viral views it, it gets like a thousand yeah and i have to remind myself that like the reason i made a video about me riding my bike and talking about some of my mental health struggles that week is because it helped me and i'm hoping that it helps at least one other person and so for me spending four hours editing that video because of all the different angles and shots that i got and because I was riding my bike while doing it, there's like tons of footage that you have to rifle through and find that one shot where it kind of moves a little bit mm -hmm. and looks cooler than the rest of the other shots. Um, 
it's all worth it because I get, you know, 10 people that are like, I love this. And I was like, great, because I love it too. And I made it for me. And now there's 10 people telling me to do more. So I'm going to do more. But then I have to also be growing the brand and like growing the platform because that's like what you do when you want to accomplish bigger things than being on TikTok. And so I have to make those horror movie reviews, which I also enjoy, but I try and just like crank, you know, yeah. the, write my thing, film the thing, put the thing, get it out. You know, so far, far less time goes into the videos that go viral for me than the videos that I like deeply care about. Yeah. And, and even in, even in that regard where it is, yeah, just, you know, maybe a thousand people watch one of those as opposed to 27,000 or 30,000 or that's those thousand people. It meant so much too. They knew that it was something with mental health. They felt that was so important. And so it's like, even though it may not be the main part of the brand, it is so important to that sector of the brand. Yeah. And it's like that, that for me would be enough, enough to just continue to do that. So not just for me, but knowing that that was bringing us that little bit of help to maybe, you know, 10% of my audience, like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's an incredible thing to be able to feel that it doesn't have to go viral to make an impact. Yeah. I try to remind myself that even if it's 50 people, even if it's only 50 people, when like my last video maybe got 500,000 views, it's 50 people. If I put 50 people in my living room and showed them a little video I made about riding my bike and having feelings, I would be sweating bullets and like so uncomfortable because there were so many people in my house, you know, and, <laughs> and not to mention they're all strangers, which I already right. struggle with. I have social anxiety. I'm trying to get better at it because I want to like, I want people to like approach me if they ever recognize me. Cause I think that would be such a cool thing to happen. Um, but if it were 50 people all at once being like, Hey, show me a video you made. Like, and I'm like, here's me riding my bike and thinking about stuff. That's like such a vulnerable thing. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of people. And so, you know, just kind of putting all of TikTok in perspective, like the numbers are, are they're unreal and they're hard to grasp. And it's really easy to get in this mindset of like, oh, poor me. I only got a, you know, 1500 views on this video. It's 1500 people that you don't right. know are looking at your face and being like, what's this guy about? You know, for, at least yeah. for a couple seconds. That's cool. Yeah, it's, it, it really is. It's a, it's a humbling moment sometimes when you actually do have to take the time to look at the numbers. And it's like, I'm, I'm sure you're the same way I am with it, where it's like, having to look at the numbers sometimes feels a little gross, but it's yeah. a business. And yeah. so you have to do it. And it's, it is weird to look at it and be like, wow, like 60 people somewhere in Russia, listen to this. <laughs> and 59 of them hacked my account, but that one, it really got through to. So they nobody from Russia get mad at that. That feels was just great on my heart. <laughs> So, but it, it, it's so cool to be able to look at that and, and see when you just see the reach of how, how something like that does affect somebody. Like it's, it's a cool thing to be able to, to do that, to, regardless of how many listen from one episode to the next or anything like that. And the coolest thing about all of it is like on, on YouTube and on the podcast, I would have little interactions in the comments. I never met anybody. I never had an interaction with somebody other than a few, there were a few YouTubers who came back every single time to every single video and commented something meaningful. And I reacted to them and they were like, see you on the next one, pal. I don't know who those people are, 
but on TikTok, I've got a growing spreadsheet of like 50 people that I've had interactions like this with mm. who I've shared videos with and shared feelings with and like talked about stuff and checked in and, and it's only growing every day. And like, I was able during June to reach out to 30 plus people. I think I ended up with 35 different videos for pride that I just wanted to be like, what's your favorite character or book or movie that has something to do with the LGBTQIA plus community. Yeah. And it's 30, over 30 people, so many people that I posted every single day in June and then continued into July because I still had content <laughs> that never happened on YouTube ever. You would reach out into the void. People would never respond. It's yeah. such a cool platform and people are so hungry for interaction and, and for like real human connection. I love it. I love it. Yeah, and, I, and I watched a handful of those videos because I saw the one that Alex did and they, they were really meaningful videos uh, and, and such a fun way to tie in. Like, yeah, we're all about horror and, and getting into, you know, the, the gore and the, and the macabre and the ghosts, but then also being able to take it to the side of like, but hey, look at how look at how much representation there actually was yeah. in this. Like it, it was such a unique thing that that I, I think it resonated too because nobody's done anything like that before, and it really connected to to a lot of people. Yeah, I hope I really hope it did. I, I had a blast with it. I loved everybody's reactions and and those videos. I'm not sure if it's because of TikTok itself and the way that it triggers keywords or whatever, mm -hmm. or if it was really just that like, you know, I was speaking to a smaller community, but th those videos were not viral videos. Not a single one of them got over 2000 views, maybe 2500 at the most. But the people who saw it and interacted with it, every single person, with the exception of maybe like two trolls, you know, who are there to be like fingernail polishes for idiots, you know, or, you know, something <laughs> stupid. It's something every day on this app. You know, like, okay, Seth Rogen, blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, for the most part, 99% of the people who interacted with it were like, this is awesome. Keep going. And that just felt great. Felt yeah. great. Yeah, and it was cool. It was just so cool to unearth another side of of a genre we love that we never would have thought twice about about looking at. Yeah, you don't think about it, but really, like the people who love horror are the people on the fringe of society, and then that bleeds into like the masses, right? But really, the people like the diehard people who love horror, like myself, are people who have played roller derby, who have questioned their own religious upbringing, who have, um, I don't know, like experimented with talking to ghosts and like have a creative yeah. side where they want to draw something and they don't give a shit if it looks bad. You know, like we are the people who are struggling to be heard and seen and have a voice while not wanting to be looked at or recognized in any way. <laughs> and, um, and that's like, really, really special. And even if it's coded, there is throughout all of like horror history, there is a queer representation in there, um, all the way back to Frankenstein and Dracula and all that stuff. So um, it, it really is an all encompassing, all embracing, all equal genre, unlike any other genre you can think about. 
Um, and that's, that's part of the real wonderfulness of, of, of horror and gore and monsters and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it's just, it's such a fun, a fun new layer to it that I'm, I'm going to almost be looking extra hard for it yeah now to, to always watch that so well, it's like who saw the babadook coming you know right right <laughs> yeah that yeah there's there's so much within that, that and like that that makes me just want to go rewatch it again because it's yeah. been so long since i've watched the babadook so even yeah. though it's literally sitting on the shelf like right above me here <laughs> <laughs> so before we kind of wrap things up so I, i'm intrigued with you know everything that you've done with the haunting season so and with your upbringing do you still find time to get out and go explore any cemeteries around los angeles we have so many great ones do you do you get out to them very often no not at all <laughs> not at all <laughs> though it's interesting in the context of this conversation that like a lot of a lot of this all started in a cemetery the last time i was in a cemetery i went and took some photos for haunting season with uh at my time the co-host of my podcast cody and um and ended up getting kicked out because you're not really supposed to take portraits in a in a cemetery. <laughs> I guess that's flaunting your uh, your livelihood in front of the dead or whatever. But um, <laughs> you know that that was the last time we have got a really big one here in Glendale that's um, got a whole bunch of celebrities in it and like yeah, it's got the a, forest lawn one there in Glendale. Yeah, 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 and it's got like a giant section that's like all baby graves, which is like super. Oh, crazy. really? yeah yeah we thought it was like oh this is where walt disney is buried because it looked like a giant castle and then we got out of the car and like walked up to it and it was like, like oh it's just the dwarfs yeah no, it was, <laughs> god it was everyone under the age of like uh like a year or something like that Jeez. it was like all infant deaths it was heavy and before heavy. i get any angry comments that was a disney joke not a little person joke yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah I've, I've meant to go that's one of the few i have not been to so and i've driven my wife used to work in glendale and so we would drive past that all the time and so i was like it's i beautiful. need to get into the to that one and, and go check it out it's so beautiful it's like but it doesn't have many one. standing graves it's got like a small on yeah. the lower side it's got some mausoleums and stuff mm. and it's got like kind of like castle looking thing in the middle of it and like a big you know structure at the top and a church but for the most part all the graves are like um flush to the ground with grass yeah. growing around them yeah so easier for like maintenance and stuff hills. yeah 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 have, have you been to hollywood forever though yeah i went and saw um oh maybe raiders of the last arc or something like that there okay. for sin one time yeah, yeah but that, i didn't get to walk around too much yeah see see you you got you got to make the time to do that yeah i should so just it is day. It is one of the coolest cemeteries, and it has just this strange peacefulness to it. Mm. It's one of my favorite places that if I have time, no pun intended, time to kill for the day. So I love to just, it's its a place I just kind of love to stroll. Even when I've gone to screenings there, um, it's its great to get there early and just to kind of wander around and look into the mausoleums. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a fascinating place that, that really holds a, a special place in my heart. I gotta go check it out. I'm gonna make time for that this uh, this summer. Yeah, de definitely or take time. Maybe this so. fall because it's really hot out. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's ungodly hot right now. Yeah. So, and, and anybody outside of Los Angeles, like, what was it like, 85, 90? 
I was like, yeah, that's still really, really hot for us. Yeah, except for in Glendale, not last year, but the year before, it was 120 for three straight days. I remember that. That was terrible. That was, terrible. That was absolutely Couldn't terrible. walk your dogs. My wife and I, it was like mid-pandemic, and we were like, let's do up the backyard. We're spending a lot of time back there. So we spent like $500 on plants, and then they all died on those three days. They shriveled <laughs> oh, no. up into like... Uh, what do you tumbleweeds <laughs> <laughs> even the plants are just like nope we're not doing this this is not happening it was the worst that <laughs> we only plant succulents and cactuses now <laughs> <laughs> so now what with, with everything you guys are doing with haunting season what is next for you guys do you guys see any any more evolution or do you guys have anything coming up for people to kind of latch on to I have a budget meeting tomorrow with my team to talk about the reality of doing a long form, larger project that may or may not be the tip of an iceberg for an even larger project. That's about as specific as I'll get about. <laughs> um, but basically we've been in the process of writing ever since I put the the podcast on hold Um which was, I, I don't even know how long ago, but for the past, like probably six months, I've been working on writing and um, trying to figure out what the next like big step is. And the, the next smaller step, aside from just continuing to upload all the time on TikTok, is uh, I'm going to be launching my podcast back up in a, in a more casual, conversational way um, without the stories, just talking to other content creators who love horror um in probably september uh in awesome. time for spooky season to just kind of i miss talking to people and i'm doing a lot of it these days so i was yeah. like oh i might as well do it with the record button on <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way i know how to have a conversation anymore so if well, it's not recorded so it happen. when you're like this is gonna be an hour here we go <laughs> so I'm, I'm so glad you were able to, to make this happen i wish we could have made it happen uh, at san diego but there's always another year for it so but yeah I'm yeah let's we get on a panel together to at some on. point love that yeah we, yeah we, we we just need a good a good horror panel with uh with everybody whether it's for the podcast or we create something else so yeah but uh but yeah haunting season belongs at san diego comic-con as well so one of one of these times we will we will get you guys down there awesome. uh, to join us so but yeah it's been such a great time talking with you josh getting to getting to know you a little bit more and instead of just like passing each other on social media and and knowing, knowing what each other is kind of doing so yeah thank you for taking the time where can everybody find you and uh, and haunting season online it's haunting season everywhere it's haunting season on tiktok which is where i'm posting every single day um occasionally i'll post on instagram i really just kind of haven't been on there all that much i, I want to post more i want to take more photos myself and put them up because that's what seems to do well on his uh, selfies and yeah. portraits um and then yeah my podcast is haunting season and it's on you know a lot of the different platforms stitcher and uh spotify and apple pods and then uh youtube you know i'm not really posting there anymore but all my stories are on there and they're not going anywhere same thing with the podcast they're they're in season one of the podcast so haunting season not too hard to find it's like hunting season but for ghosts <laughs> <laughs> awesome well thank you so much again josh so and i hope everybody goes and checks out haunting season if they have not already um and continues to follow and just keep up keep making great videos and yeah we, we always love seeing it right on thanks man yeah you bet have a good rest of your night and uh, we'll talk soon cool all right we'll see you